0: Fifty years after the fact, interest in Texas's most notoriously corrupt election shows no signs of waning, in part because Box 13, the 10-ballot box that was stuffed with the votes for Lyndon Johnson, remains at large. Although it's widely believed to be in the hands of an unidentified local, visitors periodically nose around Alice, inqu- inquiring about the box, and there is good reason for wanting to find it. If it holds the original paper ballots and tally sheets, its reappearance could settle any lingering doubts about the integrity of the 1948 election results. But locating it has proved difficult. The scandal cast a shadow on the town for decades, and many Alice residents still greet inquiries about Box 13 with uncomfortable silence. But a few will talk, and each has a theory. It was stashed in a meat locker. It was thrown into the Rio Grande. It was auctioned off by the sheriff years ago. Quote, I received an anonymous letter this summer saying that it was in the Texas State Bank vault, says Jim Wells County Judge Arnaldo Sainz. Uh, But there wasn't anything to it. According to one longtime observer of Alice Politics, the search for Box 13 is certain to be fruitless. Quote, The ballots were burned that night in the Ranch Motel, and the tally sheet was taken across the border by some of George Parr's men, the source claims. Box 13 was probably burned along with everything else.
1: Uh, Mr. Hager? Yeah, Hager? You all made me some real lightweight slacks that uh, uh, he just made up on his own,
0: sent to me three or four months ago. It's a, kind of a light brown and a light green, rather soft green and soft brown. The pockets, when you sit down in a chair, the knife and your money comes out. So I needed at least another inch in the pocket. Uh, yeah.
1: Now, another thing that crotch down where your nuts hang is always a little too tight. So when you make them up, give me a, an inch that I can let out there. Let's see if you can't leave me about an inch from the, where the
0: zipper <coughs> ends. Uh, Round uh, under my back of my bunghole so I can let it out there if I need to. Now, be sure you got the best zippers in them. These are good that I have. And uh, if you get those to me, I would sure
1: be grateful.
0: All right. Welcome back to Jumbo Rising Part 2, our podcast about the rise of Lyndon Johnson. uh, That bit that i read you in the beginning was from a 1998 article in texas monthly called go ask alice uh, talking about what we're going to talk about today which is the 1948 senate election where johnson very fairly and very clearly and cleanly won a seat <laughs> won the uh well, first of won the democratic primary to run for senate Which, of course, in Texas in 1948 uh, was the same as winning the seat in the Senate. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Justin Roll. How are you doing, Justin?
1: Pretty good. It's a beautiful day in Seattle, so can't complain.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not too bad. Uh, The sun is kind of out in that it is actually light outside, but not out so much that I have to ever look at it.
1: Yeah. We're not in the hill country. You know, the sun isn't beating down on us uh, while we're in a, a glass-domed little helicopter. So,
0: Yeah, since we aren't in Texas, we were treated to a beautiful meteor shower slash UFO, potential UFO event last night that did uh, turn out. This is dating when we recorded this, Ooh. but did turn out to just be another one of Elon Musk's rockets blowing <laughs> <out>. <laughs> it'll it'll never not be funny to me that this uh the, the tech genius uh billionaire uh real life tony stark literally has less success you know with this technology that the u.s and Soviet union were regularly firing into space in the 1960s he literally can't make it without it blowing up it's so fucking funny oh,
1: yeah but, like 60 years later
0: yeah we're in good hands yeah we're in good hands here.
1: Or his little his little <laughs> tunnel that's, like, as wide as, like, you or me that, like, a car can barely <laughs> fit through. Like, that's supposed to be some great innovation.
0: He literally looked at the tubes from Futurama where it just shoots people around the city. It was like, yeah, what, what about that? What if we did that? You
1: know? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's fucking
0: amazing. The future looks bright, which is why we're going to look to the past. So this is part two of our episode on... Uh, you know, Johnson's sort of political rise. And so if you have not listened to part one yet, go back. What are you doing? You can't start with part two. That doesn't even make any sense. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of context.
0: Uh, so up to this point, uh, Lyndon Johnson, he was, you know, elected to the U.S. House uh, for Texas, you know, uh, from Texas uh, for the Hill Country in 1937. He was a FDR guy bringing a lot of New Deal money into the state of Texas, maybe making some friends at Brown and Root. I guess oh, yeah. we'll learn a little bit more about that. Um, in 1941, he tried to run for the Senate in a special election where he ran against Pappy O'Daniel, uh, the Biscuit King, and a actual living human
1: person. <laughs> Pass the biscuits, <laughs> and- Pappy.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, for those of you that uh, might have seen Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, the uh, governor character, and that is basically Pappy O'Daniel. I signed a dozen agriculture bills.
1: Everyone knows I'm a friend of the farmer. What I gotta do, start dealing with
0: livestock. But in that election, he lost narrowly uh, thanks to uh, some creative vote purchasing or transferring on Pappy's part. And it almost broke our boy, Lyndon. Uh, he sort of had a wilderness period. He stayed, he kept his house seat, but joined the army just long enough to uh, pretend that he was in danger during one flight yeah. <laughs> in the Pacific, at which point he immediately came back. Uh, you could do that when you're connected. You could just join the army for one flight in the Pacific and then ask to come back, drink a lot of beer, you know, uh, Made good friends uh, with, uh, you know, some people on the West Coast. Made uh, good friends with a, uh, I don't know, a gentleman uh, whose wife, Lyndon, was fucking. He was paying his way yeah. <laughs> at the time. And, and was yeah.
1: sponsored, uh, you know, with, uh. with lots of cash by him as well.
0: And during his wilderness years, he seemed a little bit lost. But then in 1948, he decided to give it one last shot. You see, Lyndon Johnson always wanted to be president. He knew he needed a big splash, that he would essentially just rot in the House if he stayed there. And in 1948, he decides to take another shot at the U.S. Senate. One last shot for the title.
1: I mean, it's pretty much it, especially this time, because, um, you know, the the special election, he did not have to give up uh, his House seat in Congress. But for this election... If he wants to run for Senate, he's going to have to give up that congressional seat. So if he loses the Senate election, like he's done, like this is it.
0: Yeah. Yep. And this is sort of a different time in American politics. So Johnson is turning 40, the country, you know, it's after World War II, the US is dominating the world economically and militarily, and people feel like there's a lot of promise. Uh, the future, you know, the US isn't just uh The U.S. isn't letting billionaires fill our airspace with exploded rockets like they are today. The future actually looked bright. And Johnson felt that at 40, if he lost this election, too, he was just going to be too old uh, to really be running for high office. And uh, hard to understand now where you have to be at least 90 years old and uh, completely mentally uh, checked out (laughs) before you're allowed to run for president.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, part of it, too, is that I I forget if we mentioned this on the last podcast, but LBJ, like men in his family have a history of like dying young of uh, heart attacks, mm -hmm. like in their 60s. So he's like, uh, you know, this whole thing of waiting for seniority in the house like this, this is not going to work for me. Like I need I need to get moving if I want to gain power. I need to. Yeah, I need to see seek a higher office here. He's got the old Johnson
0: ticker, you know that thing. It's only got so many ticks in it. So let's talk a little bit about his time in the House, right? So how would you how would you describe Johnson as a member of the House of Representatives, Justin?
1: Um, you know, like I mean, he he uh, in some ways like delivers, you know, for his his district, like as far as you know, rural electrification. Or like constituent services but in terms of passing like national legislation he really like does nothing um you know like he doesn't want to take a stand or even like have any of his speeches like dictated into the the public record like there's literally like almost no record Mm -hmm. of him like being in congress um so, you know, partially because this is calculated, um, he knows mm-hmm. the winds are blowing, they're going to change and he doesn't want to be like pinned down on, uh, any, any one issue at this time.
0: And, you know, he's thinking of his future, right? So he doesn't want to post any L's with his name on it, right? <laughs>
1: you know? Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, conditions in, uh, Texas, like, you know, through the forties are changing. Uh, like so, I mean, and also throughout the U.S., like so, for example, I think uh, it was in 1947. Um, you know, the the Taft Hartley, uh, you know, like anti labor bill gets gets rammed through. Um, uh, you know, capital is kind of throwing down the gauntlet, asserting itself, you know, against uh, you know the the labor movement, and so LBJ, who had like previously been like you know identified as like a new dealer uh you know i'm a liberal etc um he kind of sees how things are going he sees you know fdr is dead at this point uh truman does not is not a not a big fan of lbj doesn't have too much influence with truman so lbj kind of tacks to the right a bit uh you know like votes for Votes for Taft Hartley, uh, starts uh, red red baiting, you know, quite a bit, Mm -hmm. uh, bashing those commies, uh, starts slamming, you know, like even like civil rights reforms uh, as part of Truman's fair deal, you know, that never even uh, was going to pass like he slams the the anti-lynching provisions in there and the voting rights provisions and calls them quote a farce and a sham an effort to set up a police state in the guise of liberty
0: yeah and i mean it can't be expressed enough how much capital hated the new deal yeah and instantly wanted to put a limit on its expansion right and certainly a limit on its ability to expand uh labor unions and at the same time wanted to start rolling it back and the new deal was this very complicated thing because it was created by the democratic party, which is not a class based party, but it's just a party of various political machines loosely tied together. Yeah. And one of those, uh, large, you know, segments of the party is the deep South and, you know, things like civil rights and stuff like that are just simply not going to be allowed. And, As we talked about in our podcast on our series of podcasts on AO Harry Truman, one of the things that Truman does when he gets into the Roosevelt, you know, once Roosevelt dies and he assumes Roosevelt's presidency, finishes out his term, one of the first things he does is he immediately starts purging new dealers from the cabinet, right? So it's not even just Johnson. Everybody's shifting right, right?
1: Yeah. And. I mean, whereas before, like, you know, Wings of Capital, like, you know, Brown and Root and their elk kind of put up with uh, Johnson's support of the New Deal stuff just because it was going to pass anyway. And meanwhile, like he was getting them mm-hmm. fat, you know, <laughs> fat contracts, yeah, such contracts as yeah. enriching them. But, uh, you know, now they were sort of, you know, f- feeling their oats a little bit more, seeing like more opportunities to make money. And also, like, now, like, more opportunities to crack down on, you know, labor as well. And so Johnson has this
0: fairly undistinguished sort of House career. Again, he becomes sort of another uh, sort of red-baiting Democrat, right? It was all the rage at the time to uh, call out the various communists in your own party, but also in Washington, right? In, in the State Department, etc. Yeah. Um. And as always, you know, this very earnest and serious uh, red baiting from liberals uh, only led to wins for the right (laughs) Democrats. I mean, the other thing about the New Deal is that that Roosevelt Democrat coalition, as far as its electoral strength, was incredible. Like, you know, people loved fucking Roosevelt. And the second the Democrats start pivoting to the right. Uh, they start killing that electoral coalition. Um, if this sounds familiar to anything about you know <laughs> any recent Democratic strategies or anything, uh, I'm sure it's just coincidence. Uh, but there's one thing Democrats love to do, which is to purge their voting base, <laughs> and they basically are doing that. Um, so Johnson, you know, we talked about that he you know, sees this 48 election, the Senate election, as Last chance, right? Last chance because he has to give up his house seat to run for it. Last chance because, you know, he feels like if he ends up stuck in the house forever, his career is just going to sort of stagnate. Last chance because, you know, as we talked about in the previous episode, I think there's a lot of evidence that Johnson really wanted to be president. Yeah. Right. And that he's not going to get there from the house. Right. He needs a a bigger position. We have this election in Texas and he's going to run against a man named Coke Stevenson. So maybe you can give us a little bit about him.
1: Sure. Um, You know, Koch Stevenson, uh, you know, was another person, you know, from the hill country, Um, you know, kind of grew up poor. Um, He is named after governor uh, Richard Koch, a former Texas governor who had helped uh, end reconstruction in Texas. Uh, you know, a, th- a mm-hmm. reconstruction is a thing that'll that'll come up a lot here. Whereas, you know, the the politics of the time are still like almost like a reaction to you know the mm-hmm. the end of uh, Reconstruction in a lot of ways. Um, Koch has sort of like this reputation as like uh, you know a self made man, like he taught himself bookkeeping while he's fording rivers, and then taught himself law and then became a lawyer and then like you know bought a ranch and like built a house on that ranch in the hill country did it all himself and then Mm -hmm. you know only only kind of entered politics because there was like a specific job that needed to be done you know whether that was (laughs) you know like i don't know yeah i mean that's that's kind of the portrayal you know in in uh uh, basing this off Kara's uh, uh, means of ascent. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I mean, y- you could kind of see that, you know, in in this uh, era of Texas, you know, like uh, th- this kind of image, you know, would be like pretty popular with people who are like, you know, uh, consider that, you know, th- this whole like image of the, you know, the self-made, you know, almost like, uh you know, libertarian like pro freedom person is like partially, uh, you know, sort of a, a racist react- reaction to the end of Reconstruction, mm-hmm. where they thought like part of their argument against that was like you know this you know the the big the big government argument.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. You know, Texas and other states in the West really adopt this mythology right of western expansion right the mythology of yeah the self-made man going into the frontier and making a success of himself and that's what all these like dumb backstories that like coke stevenson is you know actively sort of building for himself are trying to tap into and the funny part is you're you're right I mean it's a complete reaction to reconstruction because prior to reconstruction that wasn't the story in Texas at all you didn't you know uh, you know one of the sort of arguments for slavery in Texas was, hey, this land's too hard and too brutal. That's why, like, you know, only Africans, you know, because of their unique uh, makeup or whatever, constitution, uh, are, are the only ones who can actually till it and make anything of it. So, you know, prior to Reconstruction, it was all about, like, Hey, come to Texas! It's a great place to exp- expand slavery, right? And uh, don't worry, this this place isn't for white people's work. This is black people's work only, right? Uh, to all of a sudden, this more Western myth of the the strong, you know, uh, independent individual, you know, out making a, a name for himself. And I think some of the appeal in a state like Texas, too, for this for just regular people, is that it's a one party state yeah so there's not really
1: a lot of political discussion you can have
0: right you're only allowed to vote one way
1: yeah so. i mean and there's definitely you know like different you know as we'll talk about like you know wit kind of wings in the the democratic party mm-hmm. really like different different kind of wings of uh capital at this point are kind of influencing things um but uh you know, I, I think in in Caro's portrayal of uh, Coke stevenson which, which you could take with, like, a little bit of mm-hmm. a, a grain of salt, perhaps, um, but is that, like, you know, Coke stevenson is, is very um, conservative. Um, so mm-hmm. Capital tends to, like, support him by default. But he's not, uh, you know, he's portrayed as not being, like, personally corrupt. Uh, so... Mm-hmm you know, uh, in Caro's opinion, like he's not making a ton of uh money off politics, you know, like a person like LBJ, but capital will just kind of support him because it's like, hey, this is this, this guy wants small government <laughs> like this, this is in my interest. Uh I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll toss him some money here. You know, it's important to note
0: that, again, in the sort of reaction to Reconstruction, that by small government, they don't mean, we want to reject uh, federal money coming into the state of Texas or anything. They explicitly mean uh, we don't want to have to do anything for that money, right? Like we don't want to have to uh, open up uh, Jim Crow or anything like that for that money. Yeah. You know, you'd mention that this is sort of Kara's portrayal of Coke Stevenson. And it is worth mentioning that when Kara's books came out in the 90s, Uh, that a lot of people in Texas did get a B in their bonnet over this whole Coke Stevenson betrayal. And honestly, uh, going through all their critiques, it really does seem to be a matter of degree that they're complaining here, which is that, yeah, like, you know, Coke Stevenson was actually a racist. I don't know if Kara necessarily denies that. But their main complaint seems to be like, he, you know, Kara portrays Coke Stevenson as this very popular... Uh, character that you know really captured Texans' imaginations or something when in reality he was like just mildly popular or whatever and you know maybe that's true but he's still more popular than Johnson and that's really all that
1: matters when we're talking about this election right I mean like (laughs) he's super popular (laughs) Yeah. Um. yeah yeah he got. I think he's, he's won
0: the governorship.
1: Yeah, he's he wins he <laughs> wins the governorship. Uh, he's elected like three times as speaker of the house. I think he was like the mm-hmm. only like third term you know speaker when he got elected. Um, he gets the lieutenant governor spot. Um, I think mm-hmm. because uh, the reason he runs for lieutenant governor is because another you know kind of liberal reformer is running for lieutenant governor. And that person is basically saying we want to make the legislature unicameral, which means basically like only mm. have a house, don't have a state Senate. And Koch uh, is kind of like, well, we can't have that. We need, you know, all these checks and balances. People <laughs> shouldn't be able to change things. Uh, so he, <laughs> he basically just runs on that and that alone and then wins. Um as far as his popularity, I mean, he wins for, you know, state house, lieutenant governor, and governor by yeah. like pretty huge margins. Like, I think his last run for governor, he got something like 70% of a vote without really like running much of a campaign, even. So, I mean, you know, he's run two large statewide elections and won
0: them both. And most critically for Johnson, in the first round of the primary, and when we talk about elections in the case of the state of Texas, we're almost always talking about primaries because yes. once you're the Democratic nominee, yeah. you've won. Like there's there's it's a it's a one-party state. Good thing things have changed over there, right? Ha yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Johnson has a lot of room to be concerned because in the first round of the primary, right, we see that people seem to really like Coke Stevenson more than Johnson, right?
1: Yeah, um, I think they were, yeah. And I mean, I think uh, they were doing polling and whatnot. And um, I don't know the exact numbers, but uh, yeah, I mean, Coke Stevenson was favored over Johnson by a lot in the initial polls, partially because like, I mean, LBJ is a congressman, but he's not really a name. Whereas, you know, Coke you know, had won statewide elections. Uh, people mm-hmm. knew who he was, whether they liked him or not. They knew what he stood for. Um, and um, yeah, LB- LBJ is, is definitely like a gigantic uh, underdog uh, coming into this race. Um, but, you know, there would be a couple things that would... Happen that would uh, increase LBJ's odds.
0: So we said, you know, Coke Stevenson, he has these business interests that favor him. He's considered more, you know, con- he's considered more conservative to have maybe a steadier hand. And I think because he's essentially a state, you know, elected official in the 30s, he's not a he's not an FDR guy, right? <laughs> Whereas Johnson, you might have a little bit of that FDR guy rub on him, right? Um. So
1: who's on Johnson's side? Johnson on on his side, like the the main thing, the main thing Johnson's got on his side is uh, you know the the Brown and root uh, organization, uh, which, in addition to, you know, having a lot of money, um, you have a lot of different, you know, uh, people that were politically connected that were, you know, also involved, you know, with 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 Brown and Root, um, you know, all through this kind of uh, you know, network of people that are connected to New Deal programs. Um, so I would say like one one of the, one of the main guys would be um, Alvin Hortz, um, who I think we mentioned in the the last podcast, who is a uh, former state. Uh, senator um a lawyer, and just uh you know he's kinda he's he's the the evil shadowy figure like lurking about like not making headlines but you know he, he's uh he's making calls and orchestrating deals like uh throughout this this whole story brown and root we should
0: mention uh we mentioned this last time we should restate is a major construction firm right that works on like they essentially organize and arrange like major projects uh and they you know those of us who got to live through the 2003 iraq war will remember them as a major receiver of contracts and subsidiary of halliburton right so still a major power in politics today yeah so the name
1: sounds familiar (laughs) yeah they're still around unfortunately but um and Brandon Root is, like, all in on LBJ. Like, one, one reason is, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> the main reason is that, you know, they've made, you know, they've made, like, tens of millions or whatever off of, um, you know, LBJ's congressional career and him securing them plumb deals. And they're like, you know, imagine how much money we can make with, with our guy in the Senate, like, let's do it. Like, whatever, you know, money we invest in this Senate race, which is going to be a lot, which is going to be probably the most expensive Senate race in the history of the US up Mm -hmm. to this point, like that investment is going to get returned. Johnson had reliably brought them New Deal projects, right? New Deal money.
0: So, you know, Uh, probably a big part of Brown and Root's ability to become the powerhouse there today is thanks to Johnson. So he's their guy they like.
1: So, and I mean, you'll see it later on, like, you know, before this whole, uh, you know, this, this whole election that's going on, like he secures them, uh, like the Mansfield dam project, for example, Mm -hmm. um, later on, you know, spoiler, but later on when LBJ's, uh, you know president you know he'll secure them all kinds of federal projects like airports pipelines military bases the vietnam war like they'll build like uh landing strips and stuff and uh military bases like in vietnam <laughs> yeah. and shit it's it's horrible um and uh yeah and so you know brown and reed is willing to spend uh, you know, uh even even in the nineteen forty one Senate race, like they spent that LBJ lost, they spent a shitload of money. Like even back then, like they had a private plane that they were flying, you know, LBJ around them just uh just to campaign. And uh we'll we'll see them ratchet it up uh this time in nineteen
0: forty eight. And so along with, you know, Brandon Bridge's support, along with you know, some of the sports, he has the support of some Sort of local party bosses, right? That are kind of famous in Texas lore. You know, people like George Parr and such, right? That uh, you know just have been invested in Johnson.
1: I mean, I mean, maybe to to start with, we could mention that uh, you know, LBJ's uh, buddy uh, John John Connolly is still you know on his side, uh, working the phone, yep. a man who had become. The governor of uh Texas and be shot at along with uh Kennedy.
0: Back and to the left. Back and to the left. Back and to the left.
1: But uh you know survive that time.
0: Yeah, in the limo with Kennedy, which uh Johnson was not in the limo with Kennedy, something he apparently was very upset about. I'm sure not so much (laughs) after the fact. But uh but yeah, uh, Connolly is Johnson's college roommate and the guy that he goes on a drinking tour of California with when he joins the army or when he joins the military, right? You
1: know, and then LBJ has got support from you know some other uh, you know new dealers such as uh, a- Abe Fortas, who's a lawyer, um, mm-hmm. worked in the FDR administration. Um, kind of uh, you know he works on special special projects for LBJ and he'll come into play a little bit later on Um, but yeah it might be it might be worth talking a little bit about uh, George Parr as kind of the the biggest party boss like even even more so like more 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 than like for example the party bosses we talked about on the Truman (laughs) podcast like just Mm -hmm. like An unbelievable uh, uh, network of uh, corruption and uh, intimidation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hilariously called the Duke of Duval because of his basic total control of Duval County, amongst other places. Um, A guy who, I mean... (laughs) really ran like really was a, a power maker a king maker in the democratic party for just decades going up into the 1970s in uh texas um and you know a guy who i believe he's the one who says that uh johnson was a like a rising you know stock or something i wanted to invest in. uh, yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> one of those kind of guys <laughs>
1: Yeah. And so um I believe there there's a time in uh you know the the 1930s where um you know LBJ uh, helps uh get George Parr this boss of bosses uh a pardon like you know helps him <laughs> you know get get out of a little bit of trouble uh with the law. And so uh you know Parr definitely remembers that. Uh you know, and, um, uh, you know, through, you know, through LBJ's networks and through his, you know, money, uh, you know, he's able to secure uh, the, the services of Parr. Um, and so, like, a little bit of uh, context for, like, you know, kind of the, the power of, of uh, George Parr and his, you know, empire in uh, South Texas is that um, past the the big the biscuits Pappy um, secured his services in um, I believe the the 1940 uh, gubernatorial election and uh, Pappy you know had gigantic margins in that election like eight, eight, 80 80 percent of the vote and um, and then you fast forward to the 1941 special election where uh, you know LBJ has managed to purchase uh the the services of George Parr and uh you know he he wins uh you know the George Parr areas like 90 to 10 yeah uh, it's insane yeah the crazy margins
0: yeah and i mean George Parr can really uh sort of deliver right uh going back to his sort of tax evasion right he gets convicted of tax evasion yeah. because you know he's, he's getting kickbacks and things like that you know he's able to get lyndon johnson basically he's able to get the u.s attorney general replaced with tom c clark who is you know a texas guy and that parnos and able to get lyndon johnson to work with tom clark to essentially pardon him for <laughs> You know, yeah. tax evasion, right? Uh, all under Harry Truman. Of course, this uh, whole scheme was so damning to Tom C. Clark, they eventually became a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> but, you know, uh, that's the level of sort of Church Parr's you know, power politically in the state of Texas. I mean, he he's not just Duvall County. He can deliver a lot of counties, yeah. including, you know, Bear, very populated places like Bear County, essentially the whole Rio Grande Valley, yeah. uh, etc.,
1: And we should note that, like, there's a lot of detail, you know, on on how he gets people (laughs) to vote the way he wants. And, uh, I mean, basically, he has, you know, a network of people uh, who, you know, he pays very well. um, Who, you know, all the way from, you know, like, uh, deputy sheriffs, who he basically controls in each of these uh, counties, to... um, you know, doing things like uh, paying uh, poll watchers to, quote unquote, uh, you know, watch, either watch the vote or, uh, you know, maybe he'd pay like clerks to uh, leave a polling station early so his people could then go in, <laughs> open up, uh, you know, the box of votes and, uh, you know, add, add some votes in there. Um, <laughs> and people who... Uh, for example, paid the poll tax, but didn't actually vote. So, uh, you know, just just add them in there and uh, vote them the way you wanted. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's one thing we might want to note is that uh, Texas is a state uh, where people have to pay a poll tax. And then, uh, you know, the list of people who paid the poll tax is public record. And so, you know, this will come up a lot where um, people people use that list of people who paid the poll tax and see like, okay, which which uh, which of these people didn't vote and which can I add? Um, Yeah,
0: sounds like a very well functioning system. Uh, (laughs) Nothing to worry about. Right. So Johnson has a considerable bit of power behind him. Right. Yeah. You know. Stevenson may be the more popular character, the more known figure, uh, but Johnson, you know, he's he's able to throw some weight around. Uh, One sign of which is we kind of mentioned already or joked about a little bit already is that he's able to be helicoptered around uh, for a Senate campaign. Right. So, I mean, we're talking the late 1940s and he's flying into small towns in Texas, like on a helicopter to pop out and, you know, say he's running for Senate
1: unheard of yeah i mean yeah. yeah it's uh i mean especially like uh at this time in like the 40s like nobody had so much as uh seen or <laughs> seen or heard <laughs> of a, a helicopter um and uh you know i mean I don't know. I just I just also kind of think of like uh, the the danger inherent to uh, to a helicopter <laughs> and then like a 1940s helicopter. And it's like, holy shit. Like I would. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's uh, L- LBJ was, uh, you know, willing to live a little bit close to the edge uh, is what I'm getting
0: <laughs> at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was probably more danger in that helicopter than he ever was in the Pacific. So. He's got this money, he's out campaigning, and he runs this campaign where he's essentially running to the right of Koch-Stevenson, right? And, you know, I have this great uh, quote here from one of his radio broadcasts, uh, you know, during the campaign, where he says, Lyndon Johnson voted for the anti-communist Taft-Hartley law. Lyndon Johnson will never vote to repeal this law, but my opponent has not yet made a public statement as to just where he stands on this measure that bans communist control of labor unions.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And then he's and then he sends out mailers that uh, basically just have a giant headline that it's a fake newspaper that Johnson creates that he mails out to people uh, that just has a huge headline that says communists favor Coke. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like he and Coke is a conservative, yet LBJ yes. is able to spread <laughs> all this propaganda about how Coke is a uh, is a communist and uh, is in love with the labor unions, and we'll get we'll get into that more. But um, yeah. like one one of the interesting things about all this too is remember that um, LBJ and uh, Lady Bird uh, purchased uh, that radio station, which becomes mm-hmm. a radio network, and that would help him hugely in this campaign where like whatever message, you know, he wants to push, you know, like Coke is a communist or Coke is a fence sitter, like, he'll just be able to just like hammer that over the airwaves just like over and over again. And also like, you know, in, in, in print as well, but just like using his communications network to just hammer the same thing over and over. And, uh, Turn turn people in Texas against uh, this guy who before they had liked a lot. So maybe you can give us a little detail about the campaign. Sure. So yeah, I mean, basically, uh, like if you think of uh, the the kind of machine that LBJ has got on his side um, in you know San Antonio and South Texas, um, I think uh, you know his people. Estimate that he's basically like starting out with a twenty-five thousand vote lead. So you know that's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. You know the, the statewide votes in Texas uh, are going to be like each candidate is going to get something like uh, four in the four hundred thousand range. So that's uh, a significant amount of a lead. Um, mm-hmm. The the other thing that turns out pretty well for LBJ is this guy, um, named, uh, Petty enters the race. Who's a former, uh, I think he's like a former, like, uh, quote unquote war hero. Um, he had a run for Senate before, but basically, you know, he's perhaps, uh, you know, the most conservative candidate, you know, in the race and, uh, you know, has a little bit of support from, uh, like Pappio Daniel's wing of the the party. So he is going to pull some votes away from uh Coke Stevenson, which is, you know, beneficial for LBJ, Brown and Root and their crew to have, you know, these, you know, different little wings of capital fighting each other. Yeah, and this makes a little bit of sense because
0: Coke Stevenson and Papio Daniel have their own electoral history together, right? Yeah. And have their own petty uh, beefs between each other. So uh, Papi essentially sending somebody out to pull votes is not uh, a shocking thing to hear, right? Yeah. So what we have is a very complicated democratic field, essentially.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, I think... You know, even with this, like LBJ has definitely got this big advantage, but I'm reading in my notes here that in a poll before the primary, uh, Coke is still totaling, you know, a higher percentage of votes than LBJ, Petty, uh, the other candidates in the primary combined. So like, you know, LBJ still has, uh, a lot of, uh, ground to make up, uh, you know, so, uh, they, they get to it, um, Brown and Root uh, just starts pouring in money. Um, LBJ kind of, you know, like his campaign, they kind of start the first like regular, you know, private polling operation that Texas had really seen up to that point. So like, you know, before, you know, this campaign, like maybe a statewide campaign would commission like one poll a month which would cost around six thousand dollars each which is a lot of money in 1948 uh now That's
0: approximately 800 million dollars <laughs> i'm just doing that yeah. on the top of my head
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> what 800 million dollars um yeah. <laughs> but yeah so lbj like uh you know his people ramp that up to uh several polls per week that are costing $6,000 each. And he'd use those polls, like, you know, people use uh, polls now to find out, like, which issues, uh, quote-unquote, touched voters, which issues people cared about. And then LBJ would find those issues and then just use his massive communications, you know, radio network and mailers to just... Hammer that issue home like over and over again, which is how he starts, you know, getting at Coke later in the race. Um, Mm -hmm. And in contrast, like Coke, you know, maybe spends like, I don't know, like a hundred something thousand dollars on the whole race and like does not really run that much of a campaign, just like drives around from town to town and gives, you know, some basic speech without any, like, platform or campaign promises.
0: Yeah, I mean, which is just a sign of how much he believed he was the favorite, right? And, you know, in that first primary vote, right, you know, it's, uh, you know, Coke Stevenson's leading Johnson by six points, but he's also at, you know, 39.5%. If he gets, you know, if he was at 50%, he has the nomination, right? You only have a runoff because he can't get to 50. Yeah, He can't get to 50 because of George Petty, right? You know, George Petty pulls almost 20% of the vote, and it's pretty widely accepted that, you know, Petty's not in the race. Stevenson gets those votes. So the hilarious, you know, uh, sort of obviously not going to win candidate that sort of Pappy Daniels throwing into the election essentially forces a runoff, but also leads everybody to the belief that well in the runoff election when it's just johnson and stevenson uh stevenson gets all those votes right all the petty votes right so he's you know gonna win right so for stevenson to be so overconfident is not necessarily out of the blue right he you know everybody's yeah seems to be confident he's gonna win this yeah and all indications are he's gonna win this right? yeah <laughs> like this, yeah this this is a you know we're heading towards a big upset
1: Right, and so that's why, yeah. I mean, Coke does not really run much of a campaign, and LBJ, you know, Brown and Root are, you know, shoveling, you know, like so much money into the campaign with, you know, all the stuff we previously mentioned. Um, you know, as far as uh, you know, the the helicopter to get back into that, uh, you know, the the helicopter you know, to just like operate that they basically had to have like a caravan of, uh, cars and with a mechanic that was highly paid and uh, a (laughs) truck full of drums of like helicopter fuel, just like all accompanying them, uh, from place to place. So like, you know, think how much money that would have cost. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's and maintenance, you know, for the chopper, uh, you know, sound people uh, to, you know, take all these speakers from place to place as, you know, LBJ and company are circling around in the helicopter and saying things like, hello, it's me, Lyndon Johnson. I'm your friend. I'm up here thinking of you. I sure would appreciate (laughs) your vote for Senate. Like literally he's saying like corny old timey (laughs) shit like that, like all the time. And it seems Mm -hmm. to be working.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we're talking Texas, you know, not even 10 years removed from the great depression and the dust bowl and stuff. And, you know, Texas, like most of the deep South, very poor. And essentially this is a, yeah, as you're saying, sir. unimaginable show of sort of uh extravagance or whatever right you know like i mean this is this is an event if you're in a small town in west texas and the linden helicopter shows up this is the biggest thing that's happened all year.
1: Yeah. You know? Exactly.
0: Like, <laughs> you know, the guy go- the man yelled at me from the helicopter is a story you're telling your kids, you know, and, th- and your grandkids.
1: The great, the great whirly bird. Yeah. And he and they're like, uh, <laughs> you know, he's having uh, you know, an advanced team like poster, you know, areas mm-hmm. ahead of time, distribute flyers, uh, There's this quote from somebody, uh, or from LBJ, actually, about, you know, as he has this advanced team, like, you know, put up posters and attach posters even to, like, trees like Tim Heidecker in uh, Mr. (laughs) America. Uh, It's not a joke. But uh, LBJ (laughs) says, uh, I want it so you can't wipe your ass with a piece of paper in that town that hasn't got my picture (laughs) on it. You know, just, like, (laughs) amazing. (laughs)
0: He's uh, sort of pulling all the stops, right? Yeah. So what ends up happening?
1: In some part of the campaign, he actually uh, has to pass uh, a kidney stone, which, like, uh, you know, sidelines him for a bit. And uh, in in that time, you know, there's like six weeks left or something by the time he's able to, you know, have a special operation and get out of the hospital. So, you know... LBJ, Brown, and Root ratcheted up, you know, <laughs> e- even more. Um, but you know, even so, like with all this campaigning, um uh, you know, in, in a poll with uh, you know, I think three weeks left till uh you know the first primary, uh Coke Stevenson is up uh 47 to uh 38%, with still like uh Many left uh, undecided. So, like as you previously mentioned, uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, Coke was very close to just like winning, winning the race uh, outright at this point. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, things things are in jeopardy coming up to uh, election day. Um, so, you know, like one one thing, you know, LBJ. LBJ and his camp starts hammering. Um, we mentioned Taft Hartley. And like a curious thing about the race is that uh, the AFL actually endorses Coke Stevenson. Uh, just because they were so pissed at uh, LBJ, not like they, you know, they really like supported <laughs> Stevenson that much materially. Um, but that's like kind of part of the reason, uh, you know, LBJ starts like attacking Cook Stevenson as in the pocket of like big labor and he's a communist mm. and all that uh, is because of that AFL endorsement, which Cook Stevenson does not like repudiate. And at the same time,
0: too, right. He's also telling crowds that uh, Coke Stevenson's up there with the bankers and the millionaires, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: he'd like but make things tr- up. Like he'd be like, he'd be in some little like dusty town, and he'd be like, look up there. Over there in that building, you see that person? That's Coke Stevenson with the bankers and the millionaires and billionaires. Meanwhile, uh, Brown and Root is spending, I don't know, probably more than a million dollars on this campaign.
0: Yeah, more than anybody in that town or all the people those towns combined would ever see in their lives. And the thing is, is that uh, he really is doing the hey, what, what, what do you not like? Uh, yeah, that's what that's what Coke's up to. Yeah. campaign exactly yeah <laughs> it's yeah yeah it's 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 pretty cynical right
1: <laughs> but yeah so i mean we get to uh election day and uh you know like uh you know our protagonists here lbj's team are not very confident um so you know on election day even in this primary uh you know uh you know pars network um including, uh, one of, uh, Par's precinct bosses named, uh, Luis Salas, uh, you know, get to work. Um, so for example, uh, you know, Luis Salas, who's one of, uh, Par's, uh, precinct bosses, um, in Jim Wells County, which will come up a lot, um, goes to work in, you know, precinct 13 and, um, you know, uh, you know, helps, uh, quote unquote, count the votes. Uh, so while, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the county Democrats send, uh, you know, two poll watchers to watch him and, you know, see that like he's counting it right. Uh, you know, Salas, you know, he's like, a big, uh, uh burly dude surrounded by mm. some of Parr's, you know henchmen like deputy sheriffs he basically just tells them to fuck off like i'm just gonna count <laughs> every vote for johnson and then when one of the poll watchers uh spoke up and asked to look at the tally sheet sayless just has him arrested by one of the deputies <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> Uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they they have a good operation, but um, Mm -hmm. even even with this uh, machine on a side, uh, you know, LBJ is down with uh, on this first first primary election day, uh, 33.7 to around uh, 40 percent to Coke Stevenson with uh, petty in third with about 20 percent. Although you mm-hmm. know l b j gets uh, as you might imagine uh around ninety percent of the vote in the in the six george parr candies uh, mm-hmm. so now we're gonna we're gonna have a runoff a second primary held on august twenty eighth a month later uh you know and that basically it's it's a whole new race with petty up, yeah and so
0: they have to basically each side has to kind of compete to grab these petty voters right you yeah know, this is the biggest block that isn't you know already uh you know uh already committed to one side or the other but again it is the common wisdom at the time these guys are going to stevenson
1: yeah like everybody thinks you know like uh you know cook stevenson himself thinks like you know uh you know uh, LBJ is pushing his weight, which means like, you know, he's about to hit a ceiling. Meanwhile, Cook has, you know, a much bigger ceiling, if you add, you know, 15, 20% to uh, Coke's vote total, maybe like he mm-hmm. probably hasn't won, right? So um, you know, LBJ's team kinda kinda has to get to work here. So, you know, we we mentioned uh, you know, the previous attacks on Stevenson over Taft Hartley. Uh, LBJ ratchets those up. Uh, you know, keeps keeps attacking Stevenson over the airwaves. Uh, meanwhile, Stevenson just, you know, refuses to reply. like he doesn't want to do, politics he doesn't want to get down and dirty and uh, hey, dignify uh, with a response when
0: johnson goes low stevenson goes high okay exactly yeah
1: <laughs> exactly a strategy that has always worked as we're, <laughs> as we're learning <laughs> yeah um and uh you know another thing that's worth mentioning is like even more money is coming in uh you know in places like the rio grande valley uh you know, Connolly himself would would admit that you know he'd be given like uh, fifty thousand dollars from Brown and Root in in a paper bag, which you know he he almost uh, loses. Uh, other people, <laughs> would, uh, you know, like uh, LBJ's assistant Busby, I think, mentions like having a forty thousand dollar you know paper sack uh, with just a <laughs> bunch of cash. Um, mm-hmm. And you know they—they—they're they, they're not, uh, you know, reporting this to the the FEC or anything. This this money is just uh, materializing, seemingly out of nowhere, <laughs> for them to spend.
0: Well, I think once you put the cash in a paper sack, you're admitting that you're not going to report it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you just need like, uh, you know, a big dollar sign marker on it, and then you're good. Um, Hell yeah. But, yeah, so they use like, this money, like, in part, like, besides all the radio stuff and, like, flyers and whatnot, but they'd even just, like, pay, like, you know, local oafs in, like, a small town just to, like, you know, pay pay some dude just to hang out at the bars all day drinking and spreading rumors about Cook Stevenson, like, uh, be like... Hey, did you hear why Coke Stevenson didn't take a stand on Taft-Hartley? Well, he made a secret deal with the labor bosses. How about that?
0: As a guy who likes sitting in local bars and telling stories, uh, I would love for this practice to come back. Uh, anybody who wants to give me money <laughs> to spread rumors, yeah. I am I will be I your lackey.
1: I'll be your henchman if I can yep. uh, sit in a bar and drink beer all day. It'll be fun. Yeah,
0: I'll- Always looking to get on that grind, you know, yeah. to get that that second bit of paper.
1: But like eventually, like, you know, with all these, uh, you know, rumors about like Coke and Taft Hartley, like the word of mouth gets so big that even, uh, you know, capital, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, owners of like companies and oil men start believing the rumors about Coke, you know, who used to support him. And they start, uh, you know, donating less to Koch's campaign or ceasing uh, their donations entirely. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, it's expert, like, manipulation of other wings of uh, capital by Brown and Root. Like, truly amazing. That rocks. Um,
0: Yeah, so basically, (laughs) Johnson makes up out of uh, thin air that Koch-Stevenson is some sort of uh, commie agent or whatever, and uh, literally, they're able to convince all these like dimwits that, oh, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> better switch folks, <boats. laughs> better donate to Johnson. Yeah. That's
1: awesome. And it's also worth mentioning like, another reason Brown and Root is pouring all this money in is at this point, like, you know, people in the know in like local Democratic. Politics, like, know that something's crooked, right? Like they know that Brown and Root is pouring in a lot of money. And uh mm-hmm. if Stevenson wins, he's gonna he's gonna be pissed off. Um, and uh they might have Brown and Root uh investigated, uh yeah. which they had been before, you know, after uh you know 1941. It could happen again. So if If they Uh, lost this race, it could have like huge consequences for their ability to make money.
0: Yeah. I encourage anybody, uh, to go to Wikipedia and check out, uh, Brandon roots now called KBR. Go check out the KBR Wikipedia page. Go to the controversy section, which just covers the last 20 years. It's the vast majority of the page. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, uh, Brandon root. No, no stranger to this kind of activity. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this is the kind of game, right, or the kind of election that when you go all in, like the Johnson campaign is, uh, you really do need to win because, pro- you know, some people could potentially go to jail if you lose.
1: So, I mean, other aspects of the campaign at this point, you know, for the you know second primary is, um, LBJ finally gets uh, Lady Bird to kind of like start, you know, giving speeches. He's basically like. He, he is doing a tokenization on Lady Bird, you know, trying to appeal to uh, the women vote at the time, and uh, you know, people people like uh, Lady Bird's speeches, and uh, you know that that also helps out as well. Um, the other thing, LBJ does, which really like kind of shows how desperate he is, is you know, we talked about you know, Pappy O'Daniel. Um, How he represents kind of like the really like, you know, like reactionary kind of like, like racist wing of the Democratic Party at the time, as well as like the wing of capital that supports him. And so LBJ finally, you know, to try and pick off more petty voters, um, agrees to give uh, a speech in a primetime slot on uh, Papio Daniels uh, radio station basically just written by pappy speech like lbj has no (laughs) input Mm -hmm. uh you know he's basically just like bashing communists like saying a bunch of slurs uh you know just uh just a bunch of reactionary shit and it's a lot even for lbj it's like uh you know, mm-hmm. he really has to like work himself uh, into it, according according to Caro.
0: Yeah, this is basically like uh, you know, if Ted Cruz during the Senate race just went on Alex Jones and whipped his shirt off and started doing the "I'm a man" speech.
1: You yeah, know? <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, and then you know, also like LBJ is able to respond pretty quickly to Stevenson's plan. Because I guess at this time, like, uh, you know this this was a time when like uh, not everybody, you know, like had a phone and whatnot. And so like LBJ allegedly maybe had uh, phone operators on this side, you know who were on his side who were at the switchboards. and they would kind of listen in to <laughs> uh, Cook Stevenson's calls and then just like, you know, let let LBJ, LBJ's camp know when, uh you know, Stevenson was like plotting something and then just like get ahead of it. Um, and that played into the campaign as well. <laughs> that
0: rocks. Yeah. LBJ, you know, he is passing around a lot of money. He's doing the Papio Daniel hour. He's he's got his uh, phone line workers shutting down phone calls. He's sending out fake newspapers (laughs) with headlines about Coke Stevenson being a communist.
1: Uh, All this stuff. He's taking advantage of George George Parr's uh, vast uh, mutual aid network because you know George George Parr believes in uh, dual power. As a way to transition to socialism. (laughs) So uh, that's why he pays people for votes. He's just doing mutual aid and uh, LBJ supports that.
0: Yeah, he's doing mutual aid in the Rio Grande Valley. And what does this end up uh, getting him? You know, as we get close to the election, where do they stand?
1: Yeah, I mean, LBJ definitely like makes up a lot of ground, right? But then like, you know, it's like 10 days till the election. And Stevenson is still up, uh, you know, in their internal polls uh 48 to 41 percent with 11 undecided so uh you know it's almost like not enough and lbj's camp is kind of freaking out yeah to be like a week out and be down seven points is not good so i mean yeah i mean they basically kind of ratchet ratchet it up even more just uh you know, whatever, you know, norms of uh, democracy in Texas, which were, you know, not great at the time, we mentioned there's (laughs) a poll tax, Uh, you know, like, pretty much like, all like the the Mexican Americans living in South Texas were very, like, disenfranchised, like people are Mm -hmm. basically like, you know, telling them how to, how to, how to vote and like marching them to the polls, you know, like LBJ and his camp basically like ratchet that up. Uh, they pay like huge sums of money to deputy sheriffs, uh, you know, bosses, bosses of organizations just to round people up, march them to the polls, keep buying votes for, you know, five bucks a piece, uh, a piece. Mm-hmm. Um you know lbj even personally you know like the day of like the day before election like starts uh, driving around the west side and giving money to machine poll watchers just to just to help him out he's like come on uh you know they they bought off uh you know judges in various counties to uh count votes for lbj as well they've got uh george parr just uh waiting on hand to see how uh his services might be
0: needed. Yeah. And LBJ learned from the last time he ran for the Senate that, uh, you don't show your votes first, right? So the counties that you have in the bag, uh, you're going to tell them, Hey guys, don't report your results. Right. Yeah. Until we hear what the other guy has. And, you know, in 41, Johnson made the mistake of having his counties report first. And then Pappy just knew, Oh, well that's how many votes I have to beat. (laughs) counted up the appropriate amount and Um, reported those right yeah um which is not you know uh unusual in american politics at the time uh but you know it's it's the lesson that johnson has learned here so on election night what are what what's the result that we get
1: yeah so the results come in um you know stevenson is up by 854 votes, uh, which is not the best situation to be no, in no. for our, our protagonists. In in
0: the previous primary vote, he was up 70,000. Now he's up 850. So yeah. bad news for old Coke.
1: Yeah, but I mean, also kind of bad news for LBJ in that, yeah. um, you know, the, the person, you know, in theory of Texas politics, the person that's in the lead on election night can kind of just hold their results and play prevent defense and not, you know, release (laughs) kind of just wait, to you know, release results and uh, run out the clock. So what does LBJ
0: uh, end up to? So uh, it looks like, you know, in Pars counties, right. He has these uh, just hilarious, Yeah. hilarious vote balances that seem extremely normal, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, a hundred to one in Duval County. like this is like you know, we were talking about like ninety percent to ten percent or something. This is like a hundred to one. They just like make it even more uh, blatant and uh, yeah, like ninety plus percent in Stark County. Uh, in the six par counties combined, I have it in my notes, LBJ gets ninety three percent of the vote, and uh, the margins in the in the valley in the west side uh, was actually nearly thirty five thousand votes. Like they had predicted, you know, LBJ might get a twenty five thousand vote margin, but uh, they mm. they basically like rigged it like. Even more, but uh, mm-hmm. even even with all this, they're down, uh, you know, eight hundred fifty-four votes old Coke on election day,
0: and they note things like you know the par machine has a lot of pool in Bear County, which includes San Antonio, which is one of the large cities in Texas, and you know LBJ goes from losing Par County with, or I'm sorry, Bear County with Stevenson winning it two to one, right in the first yeah. primary. And then all of a sudden comes back and is just like crushing it. Yeah, Perry <laughs> <In Bear> County. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. I guess all those voters just had a change of heart. Um, <laughs> so Johnson's still down eight hundred votes. What what does he do?
1: Yeah, I mean Coke at this point, like Coke side thinks they can just run out the clock and you know just cheat a little bit if LBJ tries to cheat. Well, we should we should just make a quick note. Koch Stevenson is also
0: stealing votes. Yeah, no, yeah, they (laughs) are. Everybody's stealing votes. Everybody's stealing votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not just an earnest guy getting uh, you know overrun by Johnson. So yeah, so. By, by playing prevent defense, part of what you mean is he's holding some votes back, right?
1: Just in case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, to be clear, like LBJ had, I mean, sorry, Coke Stevenson in a previous election had gotten support from this machine uh, mm-hmm. on behalf of, you know, capital paid for it. But like, yeah, I mean, Coke Stevenson is not like some morally pure guy, as <laughs> you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but where are we going with this? So how does how do what what how does LBJ's team respond? Right? Yeah, I mean, basically, they just decide to steal the election a little bit more blatantly. Uh, you know, go go beyond uh, some of the the previous uh, norms here. So, uh, you know, first off, they start calling all the various precinct bosses, ask them to. "Quote unquote," recheck their votes. You know, see if they could find uh, a couple more for for old Lyndon here and there. Um, and uh, you know, Coke gets wind of that, but I mean, they do the same thing as well on Coke's side, yeah. of course. So that's you know, not not a huge deal. Um, but then the next the the next day, uh, you know, on a Sunday, uh, Par announces. That they had missed, you know, many, many votes in uh, Duval County that they were going to produce, that they had, you know, forgotten to report. And it ends up in uh, Duval's County, Pars County, uh, 4,662 of 4,679 people with poll tax receipts end up, quote unquote, voting. (laughs) Remarkable turnout numbers.
0: Yeah unbelievable some might say yeah (laughs) well you know people just love to vote right
1: yeah they just i think
0: that's the last one
1: they love the (laughs) democracy so much uh but even with this like even with this uh you know uh this padding of the vote totals by par you know at the end of sunday uh Stevenson is still ahead by 349 votes. So LBJ picks up, you know, around 500 votes in the few days following the election. Mm -hmm. And then not much really changes, you know, on the next few days. Um, You know, we we get to uh, next Friday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and basically, at
0: this point, we're we're two weeks into this election where we're still count you know finding new votes, right?
1: yeah, we we get to the next friday, um and Parr announces even more new results with more votes for Johnson, including another two hundred for precinct thirteen <laughs>
0: and so, Precinct 13 is in Alice, Texas, which is in the Rio Grande Valley uh, in Texas. Uh, Precinct 13 is obviously the voting precinct there. And uh, wouldn't you know it, in the box, uh, it's just some extra votes they forgot to count, right?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, When the, you know, when the. Democratic Party uh, Executive Committee for Jim Wells County, the county this is in, meets to certify the results on Friday. Uh, they curiously noticed that in the initial results, where it was seven ninety-five, uh, it is now, uh, or sorry, seven sixty-five. It is now uh, nine hundred sixty-five, with just like a little, <laughs> a little loop drawn from the seven to the nine.
0: Seems legit, (laughs) yeah. Exactly 200 more people showed up, no big deal, yeah. And it's noted too, right? That the uh, I think we read this in the previous episode that the 200 new names are all in a different color of ink, right? Yeah, all in blue, whereas previously they'd all been in black, yeah. And it turns out that all those voters were kind enough to line up in alphabetical order as well, (laughs) which is very nice. I like to organize at the polls myself. And first thing is we line up by height and then by alphabetical. Yeah.
1: We all just sort ourselves into the proper order. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah. So after this, you know, after the box 13 new results are in LBJ now ends Friday by 87 ahead by 87 votes. And he just needs to get, the results for the state certified, and he'll be the nominee.
0: So yeah, LBJ, uh, and you know, running a you know Senate campaign in the state of Texas, down seventy thousand votes in the first primary, in uh, the runoff is now won by 87.
1: So you could imagine, I mean, uh, you know, Stevenson's people are uh, a little bit uh, pissed off at this.
0: Yeah. They're not thrilled with the results.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, Stevenson kind of, here's, here's the rumor. Uh, he sends, uh, you know, some people around to uh, investigate a little bit. You know, he tries to get notarized statements from people that didn't actually vote. However, no notary in the Cammy, Duval County, Paris County would uh, notarize their statement. How about that?
0: (laughs) Yeah, a strange unanimity around there. And Stevens is not just sending anybody down, right? I mean, he sends this uh, guy, Frank Hamer, who's a member of the Texas Rangers down, right? And for people who are unaware, the Texas Rangers are more than just a baseball team that can't win games, right? They're the, you know political police and uh, sort of really the like uh racial racist death squad of texas <laughs> informally yeah. created during the war uh the war of independence with mexico to uh, remove native americans from the state yeah. and retrieve runaway slaves and they didn't get much more woke after that. Um, <laughs> uh, an organization so violent and racist that even the Senate in the night, I think it was in 1914 or 1915 there was a whole Senate hearing in the U.S. motherfucking Senate in 1915. Imagine how racist everybody was in the U.S. Senate in 1915. They had an entire hearing about the Texas Rangers and how violent they were and how racist they were. And the Senate was like, ooh, somebody's got to put a stop to this. Yeah. <laughs> so, to give you an idea, a flavor of who the Texas Rangers are. Yeah. And uh, so it's not nothing when Coke is sending like this guy down
1: there. Who's right? his good buddy, by the way? Um, yeah.
0: Of course.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, but but first, uh, yeah, yeah. For, first, Coke sends uh, down three lawyers, two former FBI agents. So basically, like a bunch of nerds, and they get bullied and they don't get to see the tally sheet or the results. Yeah,
0: You're not getting anything sending a bunch of nerds. Yeah. But.
1: So he, you know, he, the nerds get bullied and then he <laughs> then he goes to uh, Hamer, this uh, violent reactionary, uh, for help. And, uh, also of note, uh, I'm seeing in my notes that Hamer also helped kill uh, mm-hmm. Bonnie and Clyde, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when they were robbing banks and also helped break strikes, too. That's interesting. Um,
0: yeah, a, a, a famed figure in the Texas Rangers, uh, a real uh, guy who served distinction, which is why he's also credited with killing 53 people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Very normal shit, right? <laughs> very yeah. cool i'm sure an extremely cool and pleasant guy
1: (laughs) yeah i mean so basically like coke uh goes along with frank frank like accompanies the nerds who got bullied uh they go down and then they're able to kind of just (laughs) kind of uh you know have their kind of have their way with uh you know the, the deputies uh and uh you know get get a look at uh you know, uh, the tally list and uh, the vote totals, and see with their own eyes, you know, what the sheet looks like, and confirm, you know, the the change in the color of ink and uh, the alphabetical order uh, yeah. of the additional 200 names. And uh, they're able to write a bunch of these names down, most importantly, which would help them yeah. in their investigation.
0: And they decide to go out and visit some of these people, right?
1: yeah well some of them were dead uh some people on that <laughs> list had definitely died like three years now, ago uh yeah
0: look i mean you know we don't know what was on their bucket list so
1: yeah <laughs> um,
0: maybe it was voting for justice yeah so some of the people that go to visit are in graves um they some of them basically are like uh yeah i don't know what's voting <laughs> you know yeah uh hilariously uh the the last voter is famous on the list uh does basically say like oh yeah that's totally me yeah (laughs) you know that was the last one
1: it was night yeah we
0: we got one team player on the list um yeah you know Uh, but They've essentially confirmed what everybody, I mean, you know, knows, right? Which is that uh, the list is fraudulent, right? Yeah. So Stevenson decides, I'm taking this to court. If there's one place in America where you can find justice, it's our court system. So, <laughs> yeah. You can imagine. <laughs> so takes this to court.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, they get, you know, Stevenson's team gets, uh, you know, affidavits, you know, like, written from people uh, that, you know you know, uh basically, you know, uh deterrent like admitted that they didn't actually vote, like they didn't know what was going on. Uh, and so that was kind of like the basis, you know, for uh Stevenson's case. Um the other thing is like, you know, the the timing of this is super important. Uh because uh, you know, for one, uh LBJ's gotta be LBJ or Coke Stevenson have to be on the ballot with the results certified by October 2nd, or else they're not in the general election. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. The other is that um, the state democratic party of Texas is having a convention on the 13th um, with the executive committee meeting a week before that. um, And that's when they would certify the results. And in theory, um, you know, whoever have their results certified would be the nominee. So, like, uh, Stevenson is kind of working against uh, time here.
0: And so Stevenson basically um, starts to try and convince the Democratic committee in Jim Wells County, just throw the box out. Yeah. <laughs> just just take all the box surgery results uh, and uh, toss them. I
1: was going to say, like, it's interesting that they just narrowly hear – start out by focusing on box 13 because there was like way more fraud committed in other places like it was very egregious here but like uh i don't know when you
0: see a very narrow focus on you know uh wrongdoing or corruption like this uh that's when you should hear the alarm bells in your head that uh there's a, you know, a lot of corruption on both sides right <laughs> like you know, when they begin with hey guys let's keep the focus of this corruption investigation extremely tight and just on this one <laughs> place <laughs> do not expand it <laughs> anyway, right? you know uh probably stevenson's hoping to maybe salvage some sort of relationship with par in the future uh at the same time like uh you know if that scope gets a little too big who knows what they might see right yeah it it's literally the reason why in the 2016 election you never heard anything about jeffrey epstein or anything like that related to trump because do you really want to you know, put, shine a yeah, light on open that, that
1: right? bag of worms. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. a good point. But yeah, so I mean, um, you know, Stevenson's crew talks to the Jim Wells you know, Democratic Party Committee. Um, they, they, they actually uh, agree with him. Remember uh, Parr didn't have like full control of this county. He really just had mm-hmm. control of one of the precincts like closest to his uh, uh, domain over there. And so the Democratic Party is uh, sympathetic and uh, they say that they're going to recommend the executive committee uh, throw the box 13 results out. So what does uh, LBJ side do? They get a court injunction to prevent the investigation <laughs> of the ballots uh, from occurring <laughs> in court. They they prevent the Democratic, the Jim Wells Democratic uh, committee from even meeting, which is like amazing.
0: <laughs> and luckily, they're able to go to a judge who's essentially put in office by or put into the judgeship by uh par. So, yeah, exactly. you know, yeah. this is what you could do when you got a judge in your pocket,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. The judge is like, oh, don't mind me. Thanks for this bag with the dollar sign on it. I'll just take it. It's for my car.
0: <laughs> exactly. And then, coke basically kind of you know uh he he tries that tactic right he's sort of headed off so now he's going to the state democratic party executive committee to try and get this you know these results looked
1: at so yeah i mean they're the state committee uh, is all meeting in uh fort worth ahead of the convention to talk about you know the the results and um you know, it seems like, you know, uh Stevenson's people have, you know, gotten to some people on the committee, and there's going to be, you know, some kind of determination on whether to throw out the box 13 votes or not. So both sides, you know, LBJ's side and Coke stevensons side, frantically just start whipping votes, talking to delegates.
0: Yeah. yeah, and they have a subcommittee that votes four to three to have the box thrown out. So they're a little concerned, you know, when it gets to the majority committee, how it might go. And then there's this uh, great story about our friend Wirtz is going to come in, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, so Wirtz, you know, the the shadowy figure, like heavily involved in Democratic Party politics, as well as you know Brown and Root. Uh, you know, he knows that the the state convention is uh, coming. And uh, he knows that a lot of, uh, you know, the executive committee is kind of mad because they don't, right now, they don't have their people in the plum, you know, seats on, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, committees and whatnot and posts at the state convention. Um, So where it says, hey, you know, you vote for LBJ, I'll, I'll get you know, your are uh, you know, your are all like stalwarts spots like all over the state convention and uh, they'll mm-hmm. probably vote how you want. So how about uh, how about voting for our guy old Linda?
0: And at one point, uh, one of the delegates even collapses having a heart attack and Wurtz goes over to him. Uh, to not render A, but to just get the write a proxy vote down <laughs> yeah, real quick. For like,
1: Jones. You're dying. I do not give a <laughs> shit. Gimme give gimme give gimme give that vote. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. You can imagine him just jamming the pen in his hand and, you know, <laughs> kind of writing on the paper. Yeah. I mean, really hilarious stuff. And basically what ends up happening is with all the sort of vote whipping and whatnot, LBJ's Able to win by one vote, 29 to 28, to keep the results from Box 13 and certify his
1: election. After it was, it was tied at 28 to 28, and, uh, you know, some people on the committee, remember, I think the committee is 58 people, and some mm-hmm. people, like many people, because, you know, they have Democrat brain, right, they're opportunists, mm-hmm. they don't like taking positions, it panics yeah. them too much, so one of the people on the committee was hiding in the bathroom, and then worse has his people <laughs> just search all over the, the hotel and finally find him and be like, you better give me your damn vote. And uh, he casts the winning vote for LBJ. That
0: rocks. That rocks. That's so good. Uh, you know, 28 to 28, a tie is actually the perfect result for Democrats at, at all times. So it's probably hard to find that extra vote. It know? is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Fucking amazing. So the convention happens. LBJ is the nominee for mm-hmm. the Senate, right? Which guarantees him a sort of you know the Senate seat. Um, but Coke isn't done yet, right? He's he's moved from Jim Wells County to uh complaining to the managers at the state yeah now he wants to complain to the managers federally right
1: which is interesting coming from you know the ultimate like states rights guys It's like oh now he's like oh well maybe now i do need a federal judge (laughs) (laughs) fucking typical (laughs) yeah
0: yeah so he uh takes it to essentially federal court uh and he gets a temporary restraining order yeah uh, you know uh, basically to prevent the certification uh, of Johnson as the party nominee
1: yep uh, from a judge a district court judge who they like determine you know Koch's team like tries to pick the right judge uh, mm-hmm. you know some of the you know a bunch of the judges in <laughs> you know that they know the district court judges will be on LBJ's side. So they pick a judge, Davidson, who's kind of a wild card, but is a strict, you know, a constitutionalist to kind of decide the case. the case. Um and uh yeah, I mean the judge quickly uh you know grants the temporary restraining order on the votes. And then uh on September twenty-first, uh Stevenson gets an injunction that would prevent Johnson from appearing on the general election ballot until this whole thing is resolved. And remember earlier that we said they had a hard deadline of October 2nd for somebody to get on the ballot or else nobody was on the ballot and the Republican would just probably win Uh, Mm -hmm. right in campaign, probably would be unsuccessful. So they really had like, like 10 days to just, you know, get through this mm-hmm. court battle. And uh, yeah, it was is not very <laughs> predictable what was going to happen.
0: Yeah. And the court battle, you know, everybody's there. It's the court battle of the century for Texas politics. Um, basically, uh, Coke decides to go further than just Jim Wells County and, you know, attack the legitimacy of the votes in Duval County, which yeah. is essentially a shot right at George Parr, right? Yeah. Uh, Johnson counters by <laughs> with the classic uh, there's fraud everywhere defense. Yeah, arguing.
1: both sides. The both sides, muddying the ladders, whatabadism, whatever you want to call it. He goes to town on that.
0: Mm-hmm. And basically said he should have actually had more votes because of the fraud. Yeah. Um, and hilariously the judge at one point uh, comically in a Danny Tanner ass fucking way of resolving this Suggests what if you guys both ran as the Democratic nominee on the Senate ticket? Uh yeah. Unsatisfactory compromise for everybody involved. So. I
1: mean, LBJ's lawyers, because you know, lawyers don't like to take risks, right? That's what I hear. Mm-hmm. Uh they liked it because they figured uh LBJ would just win because the Republican and Cook Stevenson would split the votes, but for LBJ himself, this was just, like, unacceptable. He just wanted to win now and be done with it, you know. And so, ultimately,
0: David Davidson's gonna... The judge is gonna order investigations in multiple counties. Uh, at which point, Johnson's friend, Abe Fortas, comes up with a ingenious plan.
1: Yeah. So, like, LBJ's lawyers are basically stumped because you know they've got you know like eight now maybe like eight days um uh and they need to one you know stop this investigation and two uh get the results certified which uh involves you know like uh, stopping <laughs> i mean yeah they need to stop the current investigation that's going on and so they uh reason that they could go to another district court judge, which could take a lot of time because, you know, ju- district court judges typically don't want to like overturn the work of another judge. Um, mm-hmm. And then if that didn't work, they thought, uh, you know, oh, well we could then go to the Supreme court. Um, and that would take some time, but you know, LBJ and, his crew, not the not necessarily the lawyers, but they realize like this whole plan is just uh, an exercise in futility. So yeah, they they call their friend uh Abe, Abe Fortas to come over. He's, you know, a lawyer, uh, you know, a political kind of hatchet man. Um and he comes up with a plan to basically do a little bit of uh, a rope-a-dope
0: and his whole idea is look we're we're going up against a ticking clock here so let's appeal you know so then you know peel one level up right let's have a really shitty argument so that we immediately lose the appeal and then we'll use that to appeal to the supreme court uh where they are 100 confident they're gonna win yeah (laughs) like like, it's like let's skip over all the the bosses in between and get straight to the top here yeah
1: and so it works like the they they send a shitty argument to another district court judge who rejects it very quickly and then they're able to then escalate it to uh a single you know Supreme Court justice. He's also a reactionary. Uh, that would be Hugo Black.
0: And Hugo Black is a very interesting character. appointed by Roosevelt, you know, uh, you know, from Alabama in the 1920s was a member of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, reportedly uh, maintained a quiet membership, had renounced his membership when he went to be when he uh, ran for the Senate in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, rumors were, <laughs> still, you know, still a member, but also, you know, voted, uh, you know, on the unanimous side of Brown v. Board of Education to desegregate schools. A, uh, let's just say interesting character, but probably not somebody with uh, the most left politics. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Um, and so... They basically get it in front of Hugo Black. And what 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 does Black do?
1: You know, I mean, Black is going to be, you know, uh, is going to, you know, agree with sort of like, a, you know, a state's rights argument where like, you know, this case is not in the jurisdiction of a federal court. Mm-hmm. So let's throw it out. Um, and that's basically what uh, Hugo Black says. Um, but he says, you know, I'm going to need another a uh, day to like write it up and then um, you know you can write your resolution and uh, I will sign it and certify it. And so meanwhile uh, you know the the case, uh, in in multiple courtrooms in Texas is with Davidson Judge Davidson is still happening. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, but bo- both sides are kind of just like racing against each other with uh, the <laughs> district court you know investigation going on on one side, then in Washington D.C. LBJ's lawyer and uh, Hugo Black like uh, firming up uh, you know the the result of Hugo Black's ruling
0: as they are sort of involved in this race. One thing that they're all trying to find is this mysterious box 13. Yeah. uh, Which uh, when asked about the voter rolls and stuff and Alice and around box 13, uh, Louise Salas basically says, "Uh, I I don't know where they are Uh, probably stolen (laughs) and no, (laughs) and nobody can find box 13. It is mysteriously vanished.
1: Also mysteriously, uh, Many, many of the people uh, who they wanted to call in as witnesses can't be found, but uh, Luis uh, Salas, the (laughs) precinct boss, just kind of allows himself uh, to be found. And, uh, you know, he Mm -hmm. and uh, LBJ's lawyers uh, strategy in the court, you know, in Texas are basically just trying to delay, delay, delay until Hugo Black can come in. And then Mm -hmm. they can, you know, call the judge, tell Davidson to stop this uh, case.
0: And so basically, yeah, Hugo Black intervenes to uh, stop this search of these various county precinct boxes, uh, you know, before any sort of evidence can be found uh, and essentially says, you know, look, uh, we have to go with the original results. LBJ is the nominee.
1: You know the the interesting things that kind of you know happen in uh, in in the courtroom is uh, you know how they kind of delay it for so long is that um, Luis Salas says there's actually two precinct boxes for box 18, <laughs> uh, so they find and they find one of them which doesn't have you know the tally sheet that they need, and so. They just have to keep on, you know, opening up these precinct boxes mm-hmm. with, like, pliers or, you know, yeah. with, like, a crowbar. Hilar-
0: yeah, hilariously, nobody has the keys to any of these boxes. Yeah, so they're, calling in, they're calling in locksmiths. Yeah. They're calling, I mean, when we say that Johnson's delaying, I mean, he's really throwing everything at it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, they're handing over the boxes and it's like boxes encased in boxes with locks on it. And they're like, here you go. <laughs> keys what are keys <laughs> um yeah i mean just hilarious i mean how a like cohen brothers comedy hasn't been made out of this i have no idea but yeah uh, hilarious um and it, it works right so you know it gives black just enough time to get his ruling down to stop everything yeah and uh johnson of course once he's on the ballot sails to an easy uh you know seat in the senate yeah uh republicans do not win elections in texas at this time and uh johnson crushes his opponent as everybody would expect so what's the takeaway here (laughs) just other than the fact that democracy works
1: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean i i would say that um i mean one one interesting thing is that uh you know we were talking about earlier is that uh You know like like sometimes we 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 kind of think of uh capital as sort of this like uh you know homogenous force and uh i mean on, on on at some level like when it comes down to it yeah like sure like rich people tend to have like class solidarity but um at like uh a, a smaller scale like often you know various you know wings wings of capital can actually be be turned against each other by uh, people who kind of uh know what they're doing and can take advantage of uh a good opportunity um i mean you you kind of uh you kind of see that with uh you know the The rise of the Republican Party with, like, you have one wing, which is, like, the Rockefeller, you know, Republicans, the other wing, which is, like, uh, you know, a little more reactionary, like, Western capital Mm -hmm. representing, like, oilmen, which this is, this is, like, this is definitely a, a piece of that. But um yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was like the rise of well, this is all happening simultaneously or not simultaneously, like this is happening just prior to the rise of like Barry Goldwater yeah. Republicans, right? Yeah. And and um this idea amongst the Republican Party of like, look, there's this reactionary, extremely reactionary wing of the Democratic Party in the South. And we can win that wing over by being just as uh, reactionary and awful as it is, uh, essentially creating the Southern strategy. But again, I mean, this is the inter-capitalist debates that can sort of shape some of these elections. And when you're talking local elections in states, you see this all the time because it doesn't take much to intervene in a Senate election, right? Yeah. And when you talk even at a lower level, like, you know, uh state elections and things like that like you know going to the state house or something like that it doesn't take much to intervene at all and you can see this these little bits of capital infighting although you know in this election with both sides being extremely reactionary uh one thing is shown about capital which is what you're mentioning which is they're fully unified on the anti-labor front (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> they they might disagree over who should get what contract from the federal government, but they are fully unified on the idea that labor is bad.
1: And I mean, I don't know, like you see that like so often where like capital is a lot more scared of uh labor and worker power than they are of uh reforms. Like look at the mm. I mean, this this will be dated quickly, but uh there was a tweet by an Amazon executive that was like uh you know, like, uh, shut up about uh, the union and supporting the union, Bernie Sanders. Let's uh, pass a $15 an hour minimum wage nationally. So it's like, uh, they're not scared of a $15 an hour minimum wage, but they are scared of their workers uh, unionizing. Mm -hmm. Not that, you know, these reforms wouldn't help people, but it's just Mm -hmm. interesting, like, what capital is really scared of.
0: Yeah, and I mean, one of the things, one of the lessons from the New Deal and capital sort of immediate opposition to it wasn't that they uh were scared of the new deal in the sense that they're scared of how like money was distributed or something like that like because as we talked about in this you know companies like brown and root were raking it in i mean it's the foundation of the company's wealth as well. <laughs> new deal contracts that lyndon johnson got for them what they were scared of is the you know the sort of swing in political power, right? Like they're scared of the unions not yeah. because the unions necessarily get higher wages, although they certainly don't like that. What they're scared about of the unions is the fact that unions allow workers a seat at the table to decide how capital is spent, how capital, you know, moves, decide how companies are run, and capital demands an absolute dictatorship when it comes to, you know, the means of production, right? And That is what they fear more than anything is is having labor get a seat at the table.
1: And like you see this, like even when LBJ is president, you might think like, oh, like, you know, LBJ, lots of uh, social programs Mm passed, right? Like Medicare, Medicaid, etc. But um, even still, like he passes all these social programs and then labor continues to get weaker and weaker and uh you know now like uh you know in in uh the the times we're living in now it's like sure we have medicare and medicaid and such but people's wages and living conditions aren't really any Mm -hmm. (laughs) any better (laughs) even with all these social programs as you know union density and uh workers power to (laughs) negotiate has declined
0: well and critically with medicare and medicaid right it never challenged who actually runs the healthcare system yeah right so even though we might have medicare and medicaid because the healthcare all the healthcare industry is still in private hands uh we have the situation we have today where it's the most expensive healthcare system in the world that produces the absolute dog most dog shit results right and uh you know this is the struggle of of reform right if you don't actually attack the power of capital reform tends to just sort of uh, fall away. Right. Because so long as they maintain the means of production, they can always sort of chip away at whatever, you know, little, little wins that you get along yeah. the way. And, uh, you know, we'll get in, we'll get in this too when we talk about the great society, but, you know, much of Johnson's, you know, domestic presidential record which democrats you know are still you know very proud of today and yeah they really times, are but, yeah. yeah is you know less the result of uh johnson and more the result of the times he lived in and the you know i mean when you have lots of people in the street when you have lots of unrest when you have people believing the uh, state and capital to be illegitimate they're willing to give those little you know those little hand, out, you know handouts here and there, right? They're they're willing to hand out some carrots uh, before they give you the stick, yeah. uh, and you know a lot of great society was you know taking power out of community organizations and putting it, and you know the sort of bringing it into the bosom of the Democratic Party. Hence the saying that comes out of the '60s, which is the Democratic Party where movements go to die. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I mean. That's sort of one takeaway. I think the other two is, I mean, we talk about a lot of the corruption and stuff. And certainly for people listening to this from today's standpoint, you know, this corruption should be like presumably shocking or whatever. I mean, the the fact that this went through multiple courts and the sort of backroom dealing and stuff of this election. And one that this wasn't necessarily uh, well, this was very brash and very, you know, upfront, and visible was not unusual in Texas politics and wasn't unusual in American politics generally. I mean, we talked about the, the 44 uh, or yeah, the, the convention in 44, the DNC convention and all the backroom deals that happened there. And I, you know, on one hand we might say, well, look how far we've come, you know, uh, you know, I guess <laughs> democracy wise or whatever, because you don't see this kind of open uh, scamming going on, but Texas is still one party state. <laughs> yeah you know? <laughs> like texas is still completely re- controlled by all the same people uh the only difference now is in the rio Grande valley you just never vote right whereas back then at least maybe they gave you five bucks yeah you, you know? at least
1: got some mutual aid back then how about that
0: yeah nobody was you know, neither you know candidates gonna do anything for you just like today no no you know beto Rock isn't gonna do anything for you ted cruz is gonna do anything for you but at least uh you know you would get five bucks out of it back then as opposed to nothing and yeah again, it does nothing for you um and at the same time too i mean i i think that what we've seen is a congealing of the sort of capitalist class as opposed to a uh greater love of democracy because i think in the this previous uh democratic primary i mean we don't <laughs> we talk about how upfront and uh sort of uh, sort of norm breaking or whatever this election was that that was campaign was that Johnson ran. But in that democratic primary, I mean, what is it to have the you know uh, director of communications for Pete Buttigieg? Uh, their spouse is creating the <laughs> app on which all, like, the returns are counted for in Iowa, and when even that can't guarantee Bernie a loss, the Democratic Party just steps in and says, actually, the Iowa primary didn't happen. It's not real. Iowa's not a state.
1: Yeah, Move like, on. no benefit to the Bernie <laughs> campaign from um, Iowa. <laughs> a lot yeah, it
0: yeah. basically we're openly say, like, we're just not going to count any uh, votes from Iowa, basically, and any, like, we're not going to allow them to uh, send uh, delegates the convention uh i mean there was open reporting in politico and stuff about how you know democratic party operatives are already discussing how you know what their strategy is going to be for not allowing bernie's candidate you know delegates to vote in the convention if it looks like he's going to win yeah so i mean so when there's a challenge, they're willing to go right back to these methods.
1: I mean, yeah. And Bernie like hundred percent probably won the twenty sixteen Iowa caucus when there are all these like coin flips and whatnots that mm-hmm. give, you know, Hillary the quote unquote slight edge. But like even even beyond that stuff, I mean, like, you know, the corruption here is like very blatant, but I mean mm-hmm. we we don't really have a legitimate uh, democracy now either. I mean, like turnout is not great. Uh, a lot of people either like aren't able to make it to vote or they know that their vote does not really matter in most cases. So like, you know, why, why bother to show up? And even if, you know, they, they did have some faith, uh, they're working, you know capital and you know their labor power keeps them so busy that they don't even necessarily like have much time to like you know figure out who to vote for or what to do
0: yeah i mean the you know uh, when you have a one-party state right the winner is decided in the primary but when you have a two party state right the winner is just decided between the two parties over who's going to run right and the thing is is that people feel very disconnected from that whole debate <laughs> You know, like nobody feels like they had a choice in what senators are running in their state. Right. And they don't care, you know, as a response. Uh, And I think, you know, Texas to this day has the lowest voter turnout Uh, during like non-presidential elections. It usually hovers about 10 percent. And the thing is, uh, I I think in Washington, where uh, everybody loves to follow rules and wait in line and uh, never notices that they don't get anything for it. Uh, they would probably tut tut that, and you know, say, "Oh, those 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 rubes in Texas or whatever." <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, the ninety percent of people who refuse to vote are right. Like, it is stupid, and it is a waste of time. <laughs>
1: you know, yeah. there's nothing on that
0: ballot for them, and, well, and even if they yeah. did vote, there wouldn't be. You know, and. And uh, that's, you know, that's a question of uh, organizing and stuff. But the Democratic Party isn't going to give you
1: anything. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, I don't know, like, if you want to, like, follow bills and whatnot in the state legislature, like, God Mm -hmm. bless you. But, like, I don't know, like, I honestly, like, don't get into local politics, like, too Mm -hmm. much just because I figure, like, it's mostly just nerd theater so like unless there's like (laughs) a candidate or something on the ballot that's like you know really like challenging capital or like building class consciousness or raising people's expectations Mm -hmm. like i'm not gonna pay that much attention to it and i'm even a nerd
0: yeah i mean if you have uh yeah i mean you you were you did uh the the most sort of guy into politics thing you could do, which is he went and campaigned for somebody, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. He went and knocked on doors. And the thing is, yeah, if you don't have a candidate that, you know, is going to me you know, that actually is challenging anything, then, you know, I mean, really, for the average person, there's literally no difference between whether a Republican or Democrat is in charge. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. Uh which, you know, a lot of nerds in, in Washington will probably uh complain about that, but I'm sorry, it's it's the facts. Um and so there's not a, a ton of reason to participate in these things, but there is power in a union. <laughs> there's a reason why the first thing they did after World War II was try and crush the unions. Yeah. Uh, right now, Amazon workers are organizing, and we're watching Amazon's sort of response to this in real time.
1: Amazing, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. And you know, these are sources of real power. There's a reason why it was you know the first thing on capital's agenda was to crush labor. Uh, is that there there is power, and you can make demands to your labor. You know, we're also kind of in an interesting period where Georgia just like hilariously voted to uh, completely rework its election system uh, to disenfranchise. I mean, what, 30, 40 percent of its electorate uh, and the Democratic Party isn't saying shit or doing anything about it, which goes to show, too, that, you know, I mean there's the problem with playing the boss's game is even, if, even if you start to win at it, they just change the rules on you. <laughs> and, you right. Know, you're right back out.
1: But like the democratic party position would be what to like funnel a bunch of money from like Bloomberg into a nonprofit that promotes like voting rights. Meanwhile, <laughs> they just get the voting rights.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, right now the Democrats control every branch of uh, government except for the judicial. Right. It's like, you could just pass a new Voting Rights Act, you know. Like, yeah. you don't have to just rely on uh, the shitty fucking Supreme Court, uh, you know. Somehow bringing the Voting Rights Act back into existence, you just passed another one, uh, and it's very telling that they aren't. They're not even talking about it, and they have no interest in it, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, th- this is one of those things. that I mean, it drove me crazy after 2016 when they all decided to go on this insane jag about Russia, where it's like, you know, the reason why hillary lost in 2016 is almost i mean one because she's a shitty candidate but almost certainly because of voter suppression in places like wisconsin where turnout you know decreased significantly but also the restrictions for voting increased significantly and it's like you know had the Democrats done anything about voter suppression during the entirety of the obama administration uh then hillary probably wins that race but they don't want to. Right. I, I think that I think that's the key is that they honestly don't care that much. And, uh, you know, maybe a Trump gets elected every once in a while. But, you know, the Clintons got a tax break when Trump got elected. So it didn't really hurt them.
1: Yeah. But, um, the other thing I wanted to say is that, um, you know, like uh, remember that LBJ was kind of seen as the new dealer and progressive, you know, for a long mm-hmm. time. And then like immediately when it can benefit him to, um, you know, pivot, uh, you know, and, you know, attack to the right, he, he does it as soon as he can. Um, and so like, I don't know, like people, you know, a lot of, uh, left candidates kind of, you know, come through and like local politics, national politics that aren't really like accountable to any, like, uh organizations or community. And so like, how can you trust them to do anything in the long term? Like, uh, you know, LBJ is not (laughs) accountable to the new deal coalition. He's accountable to, uh, you know, Brown and root (laughs) and the money they're funneling into those campaigns. So he does stuff in their interests. Like you gotta, you gotta look, you gotta look at that kind of thing and not just look at uh, policy, positions Mm -hmm. uh you
0: know yeah right i mean where the money comes from is always going to be more important and also like do these people have ambition to get into brown roots pocket too? (laughs) also always be more important yeah well what a hopeful note to end on uh uh, you have anything else you want to add
1: no i i think that that's it um you know our heroes have emerged victorious uh the problems have been solved and uh you know i'm excited to see you know what what kind of crazy turns lbj's career takes Uh, from here
0: yeah so when when we come back we will be talking about lbj's time in the senate uh we'll talk about his wonderful relationship with the kennedys uh how sad he was when jack died and uh then we'll talk about uh lbj's time in the oval office and uh you know what it's like to be jumbo uh in dc i guess (laughs) so look forward to that and we'll see everybody next time all right bye see ya
1: hello linden well hello Lyndon. it's just great to have you there where you belong You're looking swell, Lyndon, we can tell. Lyndon, you're still glowing, you're still growing, you're still going strong. We hear the band playing and the...